Ever since the dawn of texting, there has been another, less appreciated, dawn of sending awkward messages to the wrong people. Just last week, I meant to send a long message to a close friend about the kind of embarrassing and personal things you share with close friends. What had actually happened was I accidentally sent that message to the town gossip. Now luckily, I managed to convince that person not to share the information, but not everyone gets as lucky as I did. And while my top concerns might be someone finding out how truly weird I am, in other places of the world, your text messages can carry serious consequences if someone else were to read them. Maybe the police can come to your door and invite you for a tea. Hello and welcome to Make It Make Sense. I am your host, Isabella Paxton. And for today's episode, we are talking about texting. When we think of media and media literacy, Often texting does not come into the conversation. However, it does file under one of the subsets of media literacy, and for really good reason. When I began my hunt for people around the world to talk to about texting, I reached out to Heath, a man who lives in China and has five messaging apps. I have three, and they sometimes drive me crazy. They're hard to manage, and it's a pain to jump across messaging boards to talk to a bunch of different people. So my questions for Heath came from genuine curiosity. Why do you use so many? Oh, because you know, certain apps are not accessible in, in China. So I use those Chinese apps for Chinese friends. But at the same time, also maintain contact with foreign friends, you know, in, in Japan or in America or in Hong Kong. Heath used to live in the United States, and a lot of the messaging apps allowed in the States are not allowed in China and vice versa. This is because China messaging apps are directly used to monitor conversations. According to Media Smarts, a center for digital and media literacy based in Canada, there are three elements of media literacy that connect to texting. The first, texting is not private. It can be shown to other people, it can be accidentally sent to the wrong person, like I tragically experienced last week, or in some cases, it can be used against you by police. Text messages can be used as evidence for crimes. If an officer has the right warrant, they can have complete access to a suspect's phone. In China, people tend to be more aware of this possibility than in other countries. Heath maintains contingency plans for if he ever were to get caught for speaking out against the government. Sometimes I do like talk lots of nonsense, like in something that sometimes is political sensitive. However, you know, because usually when I talk to them, I type and I type in English. If the police really show up, I say I'm practicing my English. Speaking in English isn't his only method of communication. He also has developed a secret code. Yeah, we we do use coded names. Like, for example, we don't want to mention the name of a virtual network, uh, a virtual private network, right? We don't want to mention that. We we use other words like Buddha jump over the wall. Because it's kind of... Kind of, you know, the Buddha jump over the wall, it's, it's a dish in, China, in, in the Chinese cuisine, right? But we use it to refer to the, the, that special network. Here, Heath is referring to VPNs, the more popular name for virtual private network. VPNs are the easiest way for people in China to have access to resources that have been blocked within the country. The way it works is the VPN makes whatever technology you are using think you are somewhere else. For example... Heath's VPN makes it look like he is living in Hong Kong. That way, he has access to all of the messaging apps that are banned in China. 
Although the consequences of texting might be more dire in China, it is still important to note that we should all be aware of the potential consequences of texting. A text can easily be shared with other people and they aren't easily deleted. Even if you do delete a message from your phone, it can stay on another person's phone or live through screenshots. Heath is careful with what he says through his messages, even while using a VPN. About 14% of internet users in China own a VPN, which was a smaller number than I expected it to be. So for your people who use the China exclusive ones like WeChat, why do they not just get a different VPN? Like what's stopping them? Because they don't see the point. Because uh, if their whole friends, their social communities are all Chinese and probably all of them live in China, then they don't see the point of using a foreign app. It's only for people like who need to access uh, Google and the people need to maintain contact with uh, people from other countries. Okay. And they, they will find a way, yeah, that will use VPN or ask around, you know, some people, hey, do you know how to bypass the firewall and stuff like that. VPNs are illegal in China, but similarly to texting as a whole, as long as you aren't causing any trouble, you'll mainly be left alone. It is against the law right now. Um, yeah, a report, couple of cases reviewed that one guy used VPN to watch porn, and probably I think it's more because he watched porn, and then no other people on the on the metro. I think that is why he's arrested. Some people. <laughs> use VPN and then go to all these uh, like Twitter, you know, and, and yell at Chinese government or, or somehow say something negative about the Chinese government. Yeah, they will be visited by the police officers here. <laughs> so you try to avoid that. You don't, you don't, you don't get too political. You just say you watch uh, like YouTube funny videos and you support whatever the, the most popular Chinese YouTuber you go there, go to the channel, that's fine. Another rule of media literacy in regards to texting is that you have to consider if that message is something that would be better relayed in person. While it is a good rule for everyone, seriously, we need to stop normalizing breaking up with people over text. It is also a good method if a person wants to be discreet, although the method has its limits. You meet in person, yeah, sure, you can do that, but still. Sometimes we joke about it. I meet my friend uh, who studied in Australia and came back. She's basically a businesswoman and she makes lots of money in China. And then we, meet, we met up, right? And, and let's start talking about negative stuff about our big brother. And then, and then she said, oh, wait, let me see anybody undercover around, around our dining table or something, right? And, then, and also, oh, wait, they, they, I have a Huawei phone, you know, according to the news, the Huawei phone is listening. And hey, let me see if they even detect my, our, our conversation. <laughs> we all kind of you know, make joke of that. I'll say, hey, you're nobody, all right? You're not big shot. You're not even on the top 100 richest men in China. It is clear that in China, people are much more aware of what they're saying and who might be hearing them. But a lot of residents lose their reluctance to speak on political issues when they leave China. Justin is the prime example of this. I lived in Shanghai like when I was a kid in like elementary school for five years and then I came back over here and like um, yeah that's my experience living in China itself but I like at Truman I helped out a lot with like the Chinese community and stuff and like kept up with Chinese stuff. 
Despite Justin living in the States, he still has connections to both China and Korea, where his mother is from. He goes back to visit most summers, which is where his experiences with messaging apps come into play. It really depends on who I'm talking to. Like, if I'm talking to um, a native person, yeah, I need to switch apps around. Like, I know there's a bunch of different apps for a bunch of different people. Like, um, but usually, if they're from, if they live in the states, they have like Facebook Messenger, which mm-hmm. is the most common thing used in the states. But if we go outside the states, like pretend I have a friend in Korea, Japan, and China, they usually all use different things. <laughs> like, uh, people in Japan like to use Line. Um, people in China like to use WeChat, and people in Korea like to use something called Kaukau Talk. Similarly to Heath, Justin has to manage his multiple apps for individual countries. Justin has a different reason for being careful with what he talks about on his China-based apps. I wouldn't doubt it if I got in trouble in China because I I kind of talked some smack because I was <laughs> like, man, this is so stupid. I can't use Google there or something. You know, I was whining about it. But um, it's actually kind of a big deal because um, I've heard um, you you can probably even look into it yourself. I've heard foreigners using like WeChat and like getting in trouble there for like suspicious random reasons because they were using it to talk shit. You know, the incidents that Justin is referring to have actually been a part of a big study conducted by the Citizen Lab over the past decades. The results prove that foreigners who use WeChat are actually helping the Chinese government improve their AI programs because they are willing to speak out against the issues China is trying to suppress. Justin's aware of this, though, and is always careful. Despite all of this, too, Justin isn't quite ready to burn his bridges with China yet. It could like prevent certain opportunities for me if I say something like really. Vulgar about China or something, you know. Usually, I try to be tame about it, but I don't know if my tame is their version of tame. To me, Justin perfectly embodied the duality of man. He had a lot of strong positions about China and wasn't really afraid to express them to me. However, he also could see a future where he lived in the country under that exact government. I noticed Heath had a similar mentality, and I asked him about it. It's it's basically you focus on making money. And try to improve yourself, like like your living environment. You try to move into a bigger apartment or buy an apartment because people, most people, are focused on that part. James moved back to China at the beginning of the pandemic with his wife, who is not Chinese. He was the one who hesitated to make the move. She did not. She's the one actually insist coming back. <laughs> 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 I say I don't want to go back. You know, when I'm exposed to these negative videos on YouTube. Too much, and I was like, "Oh, it's scary back there." <laughs> but when you when you actually come back here, you notice, "Oh, it's not that scary." Are you kidding me? You just you need to stay alert. So while living in China might seem like the end of the world to foreigners, it is home to millions of people around the world, who we could learn a thing or two from about texting and media literacy. Remember when you're texting that it is not as private as you think it is, and some things are better left said in person. And that lovely note wraps up our podcast for today. Thank you for joining us. I'm Isabel Paxton. This podcast is produced by Alicia Haywood and me. Special thanks to the I Speak Media Foundation for providing me with a platform to have this discussion. What role is social media playing in your life? You can reach out to us through ispeakmedia.org or our various social media pages. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. And thank you for your thoughts. Have a nice night.